We come to God this evening as usual, as, our, as is our practice at River Park Church on Monday, Thursday. And we come to God's Word in Luke chapter 22. I believe the words are going to be on the screen. We're going to pick up at verse 39 and continue on through the end of the chapter, verse 53. Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, Jesus prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up and the man, was, the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion that you come with swords and clubs? Every day I was in the temple courts. I was in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. So far, the reading of God's word. Earlier this week, I shared in my pastor's Ponce video, uh, I told a story about part of my usual weekly routine. Each week, I try to go to the climbing gym to get some exercise. Usually, I can go three or four times a week. Usually, I can do the same thing that I could the day before. Sometimes, I get a little bit stronger or a little bit more skilled, and that's the way things usually go as well. On Wednesday morning, however, something unusual happened. And I've learned that in unusual moments, we often find opportunities to see God at work, to sense where God may be trying to get our attention. We all have our daily lives, our regular routines, the places we go daily or weekly, the people we rub shoulders with, even if we never interact with them. But God breaks into the ordinariness of our routines. He meets us in the interruptions to our routine, both the bad and the good. This interruption was good. I was climbing on the bouldering wall. That's a shorter wall. You don't need a rope and you can go by yourself. And I was, climb I was struck up a conversation with another climber who was also climbing by himself. <clears throat> he had just moved here to Calgary from Vancouver. Uh, and a few months before that had come from Russia. What is God doing here? I wondered to myself. Just a month or two ago, I wouldn't have thought twice about meeting somebody from Russia. Calgary's full of people from all over the world. Everything two months ago was usual. Business as usual. 
But then the unusual happened. Russia, and specifically Vladimir Putin, invaded Ukraine. My new friend at the gym said that it was difficult for him. He feels embarrassed. He has a hard time talking with friends and family back in Russia who believe what they're being told on Russian TV. I said I was sorry, that of course it's not his fault that Russia invaded Ukraine. It must be very hard for him to be in that unusual position. Luke tells us that Jesus went to the Mount of Olives as usual. And that as usual, no matter what Jesus was doing, his disciples followed him. Jesus went to pray again as usual, withdrawing just a little bit from his disciples so that he could be with his father. As usual, God's angels were with Jesus, strengthening him. And as usual, Jesus' disciples were missing the deeper things that were going on. But then the unusual happens. Judas and the, high, the chief priests, the elders, the temple guard come to arrest Jesus. They come armed and ready to take him away to a mock trial where a guilty verdict has already been established. Then to Pilate, then to Jesus' death. Luke tells us how Jesus responds to this unusual situation. He says, every day I was in the temple courts. You didn't lay a hand on me there. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. This is your hour when darkness reigns. Because we live in the midst of a broken world. Because we continue ourselves to stumble around under the weight of our own sin and the effect of others' sin. We might make the mistake of thinking that the hour when darkness reigns is actually the usual way of the world. The way things normally go. But because of Jesus, Christians can see that pain and sin, that suffering and brokenness are not the usual. They're not, they're not the norm. They're perversions of the good. They're exceptions to the norm. The hour when darkness reigns may well be here, but as Revelation reminds us, Satan's time is short, and he knows it. The hour when darkness reigns is just that, an hour, a moment, an aberration. In the context of creation history, in the context of eternity, the hour when darkness reigns is vanishingly small. From Russia's invasion of Ukraine to the knock-on effects of my new friend's personal life, to the brokenness and pain and sin of our own lives. The hour when darkness reigns is a short-lived exception, not the norm for Christians. I don't say that to negate your pain or your struggles, to make them seem unimportant, or to set aside or, or make small our challenges as a community. I only say it to put those things in their proper place, in their proper context. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, We do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are, we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. 
So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So here we sit in the midst of our present reality. What is seen is darkness. What is seen is trial. What is seen is pain and great difficulty. In our world, in our community, our city, in our church, in our personal lives. What is seen on Maundy Thursday is Jesus breaking bread with his disciples. Jesus knowing that every step he takes, every breath he takes, is one closer to death. We didn't read the whole story tonight, but Luke records Jesus' last supper with his disciples, which we'll celebrate in just a moment. And even as Jesus is breaking bread and promising his disciples, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, poured out for you. Luke tells us that Jesus' disciples begin to bicker about who is the greatest among them. Jesus' response to them is this. The kings of the Gentiles, not God's people, they lord it over them. And those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you, my disciples, you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, the one who rules like the one who serves. For who's greater? The one who sits at the table or the one who serves? And obviously Jesus is saying that the one who sits at the table is greater, the one who is served. But then he says, yet I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials and I confer on you my kingdom, just as my father conferred one on me so that you may eat and drink at, my t- at a table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. In this hour when darkness reigns, we long for the kingdom of God that is coming. The only hope of our world is Christ. Christ in us. And the kingdom he has conferred upon us. And our only hope is in Christ and in God's kingdom coming to us and within us. And so tonight, as we fix our eyes on the cross, as we fix our eyes on Jesus, we we look forward to the kingdom that is coming in its fullness and to the kingdom that has already come. Not because we are worthy of it, but because we pursue God's kingdom in obedience to Christ, who taught us to pray. I want to invite you to pray the Lord's Prayer with me at this time. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.